Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and I'm happy to have you here with me. We get together about twice a week to chew on God's word and things that we're being challenged with in areas that we're growing in or active in. It hopes to encourage and admonish and edify you and your walk with the Lord and wherever God has placed you, that it'll give you a, a little nugget to chew on and to to see yourself grow in those areas as well. So this week we've got Jane Camerzel. Hello, Jane. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It feels like only 15 minutes ago. <laughs> might have been. Time, yeah. Time is such a nebulous thing when you're dealing with the interwebs. It's it's uh, meaningless. But um, we, we uh, get to have guests on here, and I'm happy to have you. We've had you on just a couple of times, not nearly enough. Um, but you are a, the chair of the outreach committee, outreach board, what are we calling it? I think we call it the outreach committee. Okay. And you guys oversee all of the outreach efforts, the missionaries, global, local. And we recently just talked about the global work. You you just got back from Cambodia not too long ago in India. And, uh, it, but outreach is, is more than, you know, getting outside of the country or across the sea. A lot of us, wonder what outreach looks like here. So how how has that looked for us and for you? Well, first of all, I want to clarify the role of the outreach committee really is just to shepherd the funding mm. decisions mm-hmm. for the money that's been allocated by the pastoral staff to what we would call missions work or outreach work. Yeah. So our our scope is pretty narrowly defined. Yeah. Yet those of us that are on the team some of us, not all, but most of us are involved in individual outreach efforts mm-hmm. as far as doing that kind of work. Getting back to my role as the chair, what I do is set the agendas and conduct the meetings. And I also oversee our communication from our team to our missionaries just to keep in touch with them. Yeah. With that, I've been able to go to India, Cambodia, and Iceland. Mm-hmm. And I am on in regular contact with these missionaries Several times a week, I'm in contact with some of them mm-hmm. as I rotate just to keep in touch. Yeah. So that's what we do. Yet, we also have ministry partners that we support here in the Eugene Springfield area, mm-hmm. and I'm very, very passionate about those. And so for me personally, one of our ministry partners that I actually do some work with is the Eugene Mission. Yeah. And I'm so excited about what they're doing. Cheryl Bothorpe, the executive director, had a vision before COVID of literally shutting down the campus and saying, we want to have this be a place where people can get well without the chaos of having all this turnover of the daily mission people, if you will, coming in. She said, my definition of success is not plopping food on plates. Yeah, And more plates does not mean more success. Success to me is that people's lives are being changed and that they are getting out of the situation that they came in here with. Mm-hmm. And COVID was a great accelerator for that because they had to shut down the campus. And what they noticed was this amazing transformation of the guests when they stepped up to do the work that the volunteers were coming in and doing. And I know that we have spoken before about my passion of 
coming alongside of people that need help, not doing it for them. Mm -hmm. And this was a classic example of people rising to the occasion when they needed things to happen at the mission that the volunteers couldn't come in for because of COVID. The guests stepped up and did it, and then the guests were transformed because they had a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And they felt like they were contributors too. And it just underscored what, what people are seeing in missions is that when you take away the dignity of people doing for themselves, you really are not helping them. Yeah. So the mission now has become this place of wellness. They're, they're not perfect. It's not like the pot at the end of yeah. the rainbow. <laughs> they have made such huge steps. It's a pleasure to go there. They have allowed me to be part of their teaching staff, mm-hmm. if you will, for their R3 program. The mission is divided into three programs. They have the two-week low-barrier shelter. You can access their services, mainly food and a bed, in any condition of sobriety that you may be in. If you choose to want to get out of that and use the resources that they have, you make some commitments, and they'll make a commitment, and you can stay there for about six months and be part of their R3 program rescue, revitalize, and restore. Mm -hmm. And then for those that really want to go deeper and get the kind of psychological help they need and true transformation, they can be part of the life change program, which is about 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. Well, my piece is in the R3 program. Part of the R3 program is, okay, you can stay here, but you need to take classes. So the mission has asked the community to step up and teach classes. They have to be classes that they want, yeah, obviously. But it's things for life skills. It's things for sober recreation. It's my class is a personal growth class. Mm -hmm. And so these residents there have to be in class so many hours a week. They also have to do certain assigned chores so many hours a week. What they're getting is structure. Yeah. And university fellowship supports sober recreation class, a bowling class, and Reggie Matagora heads that up. The gentlemen love it. We did a men's and women's bowling class. The women's bowling class kind of flamed out. The women, after a time, said, we really don't want to do this. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you know, not everything's going to be 100%. But the men are all over it. That's funny. And so we are now in our third term. Every quarter, the, the classes are held. So mm-hmm. we're on our third term with the bowling. This is the first term with the personal growth class. So in my class, I have two teaching assistants from University Fellowship, mm. Jamie Glazebrook and Cheryl Smith. Cheryl and I met in the parking lot outside of church one morning. I <laughs> wow. kind of stalked her. I saw she was alone, and I said, I'll walk in with you. <laughs> People are going to run away from me. Yeah. When they see <laughs> you me see now. Jane coming, like, go! <laughs> <laughs> and we got to talking, and she said she'd like to be a little bit more involved. And I said... I would this be of interest to you? And mm-hmm. she was all over it. And she's a great teaching partner. And so the three of us go on Friday mornings for an hour and a half. And we have about 11 students. Sometimes it's a little bit fluid. But we are helping them to discover what they can do to grow personally. Mm-hmm. The curriculum I'm using is from John Maxwell's 15 Laws of Invaluable Growth. Mm-hmm. And John Maxwell is a former pastor that does a lot of leadership work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty successful. And he has some global programs that are pretty successful. And so 
what's been fun is to watch the group dynamics. Now, I thought the first week, oh, we'll just break them into small groups and everyone will talk. And then it dawned on me right away. And I'm sure this was the spirit that these people are used to isolation. They don't even know each other. They're not going to talk in small groups. Mm-hmm. And that was absolutely true. What I've learned in any kind of a situation, especially one like this, where you are truly seeking to serve, this isn't my agenda. I'm mm-hmm. asking God to use me to help with these people. And so the agenda, I need to listen to what's going to best serve them. Yeah, These classes that the people take at the mission are optional, and only 25% of the residents are choosing a Bible-related class. So I specifically chose a class that has biblical principles, but it's not a Bible study. Yeah, And the point is that they learn to look at themselves and they look for ways to grow. And with personal growth, as people grow, oftentimes they're much more open spiritually and we're hoping to kind of catch them on the back end. Yeah. Maybe. And I think it's working well. We have good participation in the, I know there's a little bit of a stick in that if they don't show up, it could jeopardize them being there. Mm-hmm. But we've had people, even with the bowling, that just didn't have it within them to be consistent. And that's just was their circumstance. Right. So I don't know that they're coming only because they're afraid of getting kicked out. You'd like to think they're coming because they actually enjoy the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think yeah. there's a little bit of that too. <laughs> but getting back to my point of what Cheryl really wanted to see with this program and what she wants to see in the mission, she says, you know what? I think what these people lack is connection. Mm -hmm. There's been so much isolation and so much just survival mode that what we want to do is help them to be in situations where they can learn how to reconnect with society in general in a healthy, positive way. And so any interactions we have, the excuses might be bowling or the classes, but any interaction we have that can help them toward that goal, that's a success. Mm. So what I told the people in the class, which is 80% men, 20% Mm -hmm. women, it's a co-ed class. I said, if you invite me to lunch, I'll come with you. And so one of them, I said, if you invite me today... I'll come with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is he going to not invite me? Yeah. So last week, Cheryl and I had lunch with some of the res- wow. residents there. And we just sat and chit-chatted. And, and it was a really nice, what I would call normal time. Mm-hmm. One thing that we heard from the residents that are in the bowling class, they said, for a few hours, we get to feel normal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, what what does it feel like to be not feeling normal most of the time. And so when you do feel normal, that's exceptional to you. I was just so moved by that. So going to the mission is an absolute pleasure. And I made it a real point to make sure I got their names. I'm usually pretty good with names anyway, but what I would do is each day after that first class, just pray for everyone by name, remembering their face. So that way when they walked in the next week, I knew all their names. Yeah. They were pretty surprised because I know they didn't remember my name, mm-hmm. which is okay. So what I'm thrilled about with this class is that I think we're accomplishing what we set out to do, and that is to to make connection. This week will be our first time where we're going to break up into small groups. But the dynamics of when you do any kind of a group setting is it takes about five weeks for any group to gel. Mm-hmm. And with this one in particular, I'm seeing it starting, so we're going to test that theory and say 
or see if that really holds true if we break into some small groups. Okay. Okay, I have a question. What is the connection that you see between agency and personal connection with people? Because these people have probably been disconnected from a larger sense of community and normalcy, as it sounds like they described. You'd think that they'd have to have an enormous amount of agency, but there seems to be a breakdown that connection is this conduit for agency and like dignity and feeling like they can rise to the occasion during the COVID time when they had to rise up and serve. So do you see a connection between personal contact and connection and the agency that they feel like they can do this? Oh, absolutely. I think the connection is we help them to uncover that within themselves. The first time I conducted the class in my introduction, I said, I'm not here to tell you how to do anything. I'm a guide. Mm-hmm. What you have is in yourself. And again, I'm not trying to sound too woo-woo. Sure. But I want these people to understand they're amazing people. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. They have lots of capability. They have lots of things to contribute. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to see that, and they can see it by how I treat them and by just flat out telling them, you have a lot. And I'm not here to tell you what or how you should do things. What we're going to do is go through some exercises and we're going to think about certain things and then you are going to decide what that means to you. So I asked them, do you want handouts? Because I didn't print a bunch of things up Mm -hmm. ahead of time for the first meeting. And they said, no, we don't because we don't have room in our lockers for that. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't even think about that. I didn't know about that. I had index cards. I said, on these index cards, each week I had them write something down that they're to be thinking about that week. I said, now these are not for me. I don't need to see them. These are for you. And so I want you to think about what's important to you. And I think that by freeing them that they don't have to conform to be a certain way or they don't have to give certain answers. I said, there's no test here. Mm -hmm. And you'll get as much out of this class as you put into it. So... Again, just think of me as your guide. I have seen them start to open up, not to me, but to themselves, because I'm giving them time to think about things. At first, when I said, okay, think about this particular subject, we'll take about five minutes, kind of looking around like, so what do we do now? Mm -hmm. Last week, it was, the lesson was on, taking a pause and and reflecting when you have a pause in your life. And I asked them, I said, how many of you are going to live here the rest of your life? They go, none of us, you know, like <laughs> they refer to it kind of as a prison. I said, are any of you here by force? Are any of you, you're not forced to be here, right? I said, I just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're not incarcerated here, are you? Said, no, no. Because one of them the week before was griping about some things and I just let that go. Mm-hmm. But this week I said, Think about your time here. It's just for a moment, if you will, in the place of your life. I said, and I know that I'll probably never see you again. I hope I do, but I probably won't. Mm -hmm. I said, so you have a very unique opportunity at this time to be able to just take a pause and reflect on what you're doing and where you're going to go. And then I talked about what are the advantages to being here? And I said, who can name an advantage to being here? It's silent. I said, then if you have to cook your own meals, 
No. <laughs> Who's doing your laundry? And one of the guys says, I do laundry. I said, so all the rest of you, John does your laundry? Well, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> and then I said, how many of you have to clean up after yourself every day? And they said, well, we have to clean I said, but what I'm getting at is that if you were on your own, in your own place, then you would have to do all of these things. And here, so much of that's done for you. So you have time to reflect. Mm-hmm. So look at the advantages of this time. And then the next thing that they're supposed to take some time to think about, again, they're writing this down. They're not telling me. And mm-hmm. I say, we're not going to do a group share because this is for you to think about. What? How are you going to maximize your time here? And I had them just think. And, and then I you know, walked behind them for five minutes and they were writing. And I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. And then I said, okay, what are you going to take when you leave from here? And I had them write it on a sticky note. And I said, give me the sticky notes. And then Cheryl will write them up on a, on a whiteboard. So we got, we got to, we just wrote them down, no names, because mm-hmm. I want them to feel safe. And it was interesting to see what they thought that they would take with them. Mm-hmm. And I said, I know this will be evolving. And it's easy to think this should be our last lesson. I said, but this is right in the middle, because I want you to really be thinking about maximizing your time here. Because this is a very unique opportunity that you have. Yeah. And then I went through a whole piece, a whole teaching on gratitude and how gratitude actually re- rewires your brain, how it reduce, reduces stress, and just some of the science behind mm-hmm. what gratitude does for you. I said, this isn't raw, raw mission. I said, the mission's not paying me to, like, to say these things. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about being thankful to be at the mission. It's just about gratitude in general. Yeah. And what do these things do for you? Now, again, when we look at the scriptures— and when we look at, okay, what are the things that God has us do? We mm-hmm. meditate on his word, we reflect, we think about it when we're, we give thanksgiving and praise. I mean, all those things are straight out of scriptures. Right. But it's kind of like your kid, if you don't tell them it's vegetables, <laughs> then they'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get them saved one way or another. <laughs> well, it's, 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 about, it's about showing the light of the gospel, yeah. but in a way that they aren't so perhaps resistant to because sure. they're waiting for it. My dad used to call it the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> My dad came to Christ three weeks before he died. Wow. And so I heard about the commercial a lot mm-hmm. and there was a lot of cynicism. And so I'm used to being around people that are very cynical about the gospel. And I know that's a lot of this crowd. So I thought, okay, let's just disarm that. Mm-hmm. What was really funny is one week, one of the participants asked Cheryl away from me, said, is Jane a Christian? Mm-hmm. And then she goes, yeah. She, she says, we all are. He goes, I thought so. And I thought, <laughs> and they're, they're expecting it. They're, they're waiting for it. Yeah. And I think this is our chance to just be that light. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not about me, whether I am or whether I'm not. It's about, do they see something different? Do they sense God's peace? Do they sense that God loves them mm-hmm. through the way that I'm treating them? Yeah. And so it's a, such a privilege and honor to be there with these guests. And what I have to say is when you, at least when I go to the mission, when I've been there, people I don't even know come up to me and say, thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking your time. And these aren't staff. They are vetting the people that are living there now. And when you go there, it's not what you would think. Mm-hmm. I've been there before when it felt a little scary. Sure. And it's just not like that. It's an intentional community. They've selected who's going to be there. And the vibe, if you will, is so positive and so polite and so upbeat. I'm thinking there's not a whole lot of other 
public environments that are this kind and this gentle. Mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised. And now when I go in, it's very, very comfortable. Wow. So I say that because I'm constantly encouraging people to take a tour of the mission to see what's different and what they're doing. And they are begging for community members to come in and have these kinds of interactions with the residents. So that way when the residents leave, they know how to act. They yeah. know what are sort of the social norms. There's so much that's unwritten as far as what's appropriate conduct and what isn't. And they're trying to get them in the position to where they will be able to be mainstream back into society. And that's what they're asking us to, to do mm-hmm. as far as churches and community members. University Fellowship does also give them some monthly support just for their operations. Mm-hmm. And I I can tell you it's money well spent. They're doing a great job. My plea, if you will, again, don't get too near me because I'll rope you in, <laughs> is, is to see how can people help. We've got Julie McCarroll here who's doing a journaling class, mm. and I think that's going very well. She's been doing that for a while. Wow. So how can people... The commitment is only on a quarterly basis. It's only 10 to 12 weeks. But people showing up and just interacting and connecting with the residents is huge for them. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that's a a lot of the conduit for healing and for reintegration. You know, the R3 seems like that. That is a central point is that you've got to have community. You've got to have people, which is how God made us, right? To be relational. It it really is. It really is. And then along the same lines, but a little, little bit different, is Hosea mm-hmm. Youth Services, who, again, University Fellowship supports. And one of our members here was the executive director there for many, many years. Ken Harvey mm-hmm. set a beautiful foundation for that place. And those young people need connection. Mm-hmm. Those young people need a lot of support. Brad Bills is doing a good job. Again, I encourage people Find out what they're doing. A lot of times people say, well, I don't know what to do, or they feel like if they commit to anything, they're committed the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. These places are very good at helping you with defined commitments. Let's say all you can do is lunch once a week or for several months. Mm -hmm. Mark Sebring and a group of people, Mark is on our outreach team. Mm -hmm. He and his wife and a group of their friends, some are UFCers, cook lunch or provide lunch for the kids at Hosea once a week, every Friday. They would love to have help. If someone yeah. wants to help with that. You know, again, fairly low, low effort commitment, but mm-hmm. it, all those things add up and make a difference. Another wonderful ministry that we get to support that's local is Glenn Leslie, mm-hmm. Youth for Christ in Cresswell. Yeah. Two weeks ago, 10 young people made a decision for Christ. Wow. These are middle schoolers. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed. That's great news. We should be jumping up and down. That's Mm -hmm. exciting. And he is looking for help down there, mainly people that are closer to the age of the participants Mm -hmm. and they need females. Yeah. We've been praying for that and the Lord has raised up a a young lady that's really helping. He Mm -hmm. could use a couple more. Yeah. The outreach team did... uh, make a decision to help support him for this year with some extra funds for activities because a lot of their outreach is 
doing things together. Mm-hmm. So they'll go on trips or they have camps and, and many decisions for Christ are made at those camps and just relationships are formed. So that's part of what we do to help support them is give him money to actually do those things. Yeah. And we have some really exciting things going on. I think I've told you, or at least I announced to the church, we're starting our missions after hours mm-hmm. program. So that yep. will be once a month. And it will be the fourth Sunday of the month after church. And we're going to alternate every month, global and local. So last month was global, Cambodia. This month will be some local campus ministries. So we will have Dan and Jan Smith, who work at the University of Oregon, and we'll have Glenn and Karen Leslie with the Youth for Christ. So they'll be able to talk about what they're doing. That's wonderful. Yeah, I've had the immense privilege of um, teaching down there at in Cresswell. One week I went down with a buddy of mine, Glenn had asked me and it's just, yeah, it's, it's incredible work. I mean, for me, I really have always viewed young people as, uh, (laughs) this sounds silly, but uh, I've just seen so much immense value. I I'm not too far removed. I'm 31 from what that looked like. And I still remember how essential key people were in those periods of my life. You know, I've got a bit of an unstable background, unstable background as far as my upbringing. And, and I know that Glenn talks about uh, the challenges that the youth face there and, and the work that needs to be done. And when you see, you know, these kids who they're in the best, safest spot, then it probably will be all week. Some of them, you know, playing ping pong, messing around, um, it just softens your heart for that work. And it's nice to know that these opportunities that are here in this zip code that anybody could be a part of, we've got people there already that they can just come alongside. They can help Glenn out a little bit. They can come with you or any of the other people to the mission or Hosea and immediately see a familiar face, shadow them, walk alongside them, and they can help guide them through that process. Because sometimes it can be intimidating to show up somewhere where you're like, I'm here to help. <laughs> You don't know anybody. <laughs> That's true. And then I really don't want to ever discount just the prayer support, how important mm-hmm. that is. Yeah. I know sometimes people go, well, if you can help me financially or prayer, and you think, oh, yeah, prayer is just kind of the easy out right. for not giving me money. But prayer is like the big thing. Yeah. And I really want to encourage people that you might be at home and maybe you can't get out. Maybe for some reason you're just not able either financially to help support or physically to help support. Mm-hmm. The prayer support is massive. Yeah. I remember talking to Kit Tischler, who's one of our mm-hmm. ministry partners in South Africa. And he said, you would not believe how important prayer is to me. He goes, it's almost like having that super team behind you. Mm-hmm. He goes, there have been times when I've called in and I said, I, we've need prayer and we've gotten it and I've seen things absolutely change. So yeah. I really want to encourage any listener that prayer is never it's not second fiddle. Exactly. Yeah. Not second fiddle, but it's never like the least of these. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's it's the most of these, mm-hmm. and everybody can pray. Yeah. Well, it acknowledges that we have access through Christ to the one who holds all of this together in his hands and cares. So that's a really good reminder, the power of prayer, and a great reminder that we have local opportunities to help impact the kingdom and think differently about people, you know, that's been kind of a similar theme of the last two episodes and, and care. So if somebody has questions or um, thoughts, they can catch you probably on a Sunday morning running around 
I mean, you know, I don't want people running away from you. <laughs> yes, when you see the one, they're all leaving. And you see me sitting in, in church and there's no one sitting by me. <laughs> You'll know why. Jane's going to try me to get do something again. <laughs> um, no, we. I was sharing just before we started recording, just the incredible encouragement you have been to me and my wife. And we've had dinner at your house and, and just seeing your heart for this stuff and the the real tangible um, faithfulness. I know that it's, you would admit that it is a work of the Lord and something that we all get the privilege of participating in. But I especially appreciate your work and you coming and sharing that with us. Thank you. That's very humbling to hear, but I have to receive it. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. My I'm, face is as red as your jacket it's get, right It's now. getting red. It's getting red. Well, uh, listener, there is a million opportunities and God may be calling you to one of these. These are important work of people who are made in his image who who need love and need the gospel and um, and are different than us. And that makes us uncomfortable. But hopefully this episode and the last one with Jane have been an encouragement to you to view people differently and view them through, through Christ's eyes, through the Father who made each and every one of them. And ask yourself, can I get involved? Ask Jane uh, different opportunities. Sit down and ask her out for lunch um, to learn about what your passion is and what your skill set is. And if there's something that she can think of that you could serve in and everyone, everyone listening can pray. Amen. So, all right, Jane, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you again, Chris. Take yes. Care. All right, listener, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 